0: I want to invite you to turn your Bibles to 1st Peter. We are going to read just a a couple of verses or a few verses from this this book tonight. And I wanted to speak to you just about our witness for Jesus in the world. And um, I appreciate the, the men's retreat that we were able to have. I appreciate Gustavo ministering to us last Wednesday night. He's such a dear friend, such a great brother in Christ. And um, I'm grateful for him and his fellowship and for those of you that were able to be here and to listen to him. I wanted to just begin by talking to you about the last time that I was preaching here on a Wednesday night. I was talking to you about the, the judgment that God brings into the world. And I said it in such a way that if we do not understand what is happening right now, in the Lord, what God is doing, then we're not going to perceive or be able to join God in the things that are happening. And I believe, right now, according to the scriptures, as we went through it, that God is judging the United States of America. I believe we are in judgment. Um, just even this past week, we've received more reports about the salt water uh, backing up into New Orleans by the end of October, and. And um, over 1.2 million people are going to be without drinking water uh, just because of the drought that we're in. The crops are dead in the field. Um, this is just in Louisiana. There's, there's havoc in other places as well, and not just in the United States, but all over the world. And it doesn't seem as though the United States seems to be turning. Um, and I even wonder, you know, the, the quality of praying that we have been giving, even for the elections that are coming up. That we're, we have the opportunity to vote and pray for those that are going to be put in leadership for us. And that we've sincerely prayed that we've really sought the Lord about this. And, and I thank God that so many of us do. But we're in this place now. And if we, we, if we have this attitude, you know, one day God's going to judge America if we don't repent. And we don't see that this is going on right now. Then we're, we're even in a worse state than we could have imagined. And then some people might even begin to say, you know, well, one day God's going to really move one day. God's just really going to move in power and God's just going to begin to do some incredible things in the world and in the church. And he's doing that as well. There are great moves of God. There are wonderful things that the Holy Spirit is doing. God has never not moved since Pentecost has come. And it's not a matter. Will God move? But will the church move with him? And will the church walk with God and be led by the Holy Spirit? And so I just thank God we have the opportunity to see the hand of God. And that God can bring judgment as well as a move of his Holy Spirit. And I believe that these are great days that we are living in. But I believe it is a day that we must not be afraid. We must not be a fearful people. And we hear a lot of things, you know. This is an end times world. We're an end times church. And if Jesus tarries, we may very well see incredible types of persecution that could be brought against us as Christians, even in our own nation. We can't let these things make us fearful. We can't live in a paralysis of intimidation and fear because of these threats or these possibilities. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love and power and of a sound mind. And that means we know what to do. In the Old Testament, there was a group of people. The sons of Issachar were wise in their day. They understood the times and what they must do. And that's my point tonight. I believe we must understand the times. We must know what to do. We can't be as the rest of the world. Scratching our heads, wondering what's going on. We know what's going on. We know what God is doing. And we can't be as those that are fearing the end of the world as though there's no hope. Because even the end time events that are going to happen in the world, God is in absolute control of them all. And so he knows exactly what he's doing. And so we have to provide an answer for the world, we have to provide an answer for this moment in time. And so I wanted to talk to you about this. And one of the things that I just really wanted to express to you tonight personally is that we as a church would live in such a way that we would make Jesus look really beautiful right now, that we would make him look really beautiful to the world, that if the title of my message is let them hate us because we're happy, you know, and if they're going to hate us for any reason, let it be for that kind of a reason let let it be because we're good let it be because we're profitable let it be because we're beneficial to the society to the community they hated jesus christ look what he did he healed the sick he he took care of the poor he fed the hungry he brought hope to people he let the children come to him he rescued the sinners the outcast he gave them a home And and their hatred of Jesus was just boiling over by the time they would eventually crucify him. And so I just say, let's carry on. Let's carry on with that. If if they're going to hate us, then let them hate us for the reasons that they hated Jesus. Let's carry that life on. Jesus said to his disciples, my joy, I leave with you. And the disciples like joy. This guy's the most somber person I've ever met in my life. No, that's not what they were saying about Jesus. He was a very joyful person. Yes, he had grief and he suffered as he saw the sin and the tragedies of humanity. But he was joyful. And the joy that he had was in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of heaven is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And I believe that that is infectious. and, and, And I believe that we should give that to the world. And so tonight, this is just, I pray some practical things. For you and I to consider as Christians and how we're known, not by what we say, but how we live and and not how we live in the good times, but how we live in hard times and difficult times. What do they say about us in those moments? And what do they say about Jesus, the Jesus we know in those moments of our life? And so I'm going to pick up tonight in first Peter chapter three. And I want to begin in verse 8. Can y'all hear me okay? It says, finally, be, this is 1 Peter 3, 8, finally, be all of one mind, have compassion, which means feelings, have feelings for one another, have that. For example, you know, Jonathan and Gabriella, and their newborn baby, and Just the the multitude of afflictions that they've been dealing with, with their new baby, their first baby. I mean, it's like my feelings just go out. I was talking to Jonathan even today, just very briefly, I had to be somewhere else and he was just standing there and I just, I just wanted to give him something. And I said, Jonathan, I, I have absolutely no words that I can give you that is going to make you just feel better God has to comfort you and God has to give you this this healing and this victory in this situation it's going to pass and you're going to come into many many joyful seasons of your life but my feelings were just going out for him we had a family in our church that was robbed this past week and I mean I just was at home last night and I was just praying and I was feeling for them I was just, what is it like to be in that house, you know, where, where somebody invaded your home? They, they, they invaded your privacy. They, they were in a place they shouldn't have been. I was thinking about them and I was praying for them. And, and others that I know that have just walked through some things. And I just ask you, examine your heart. Do you have feelings for one another? Do you have those kind of feelings? And, and it comes out in the ways that we love one another. Paul Merchant, his mother passed away and Miss Rhea and, Yesterday, we had the services for her, and Angie and Paul gave this testimony that um, Miss Rhea, she'd been married for 53 years, and when she met Miss Rhea, she was not going to church anywhere. She was Methodist, and she was not going to church, and when her husband died, 53 years of marriage, he died a tragic death. He died suddenly, and her whole life fell apart. And she didn't know us, and we didn't know her, and we barely knew Paul and Angie. But this church, just out of compassion, rushed to them. We served them. We loved them. We prayed for them. We hosted their funeral. We did a reception for them. And all of this love, all of this Christian affection, affected Miss Rhea to such a degree that she began to come to church here. And it got to the point where she never wanted to miss... Sometimes you would even see her at the latter part of her life bruised because she had fallen so many times. She had bruises on her face and on her body and she would struggle and she would come in and she would sit right over here because she never wanted to miss because she loved you. And the reason she loved you is because you loved her. And though maybe she didn't run real well all of her life for Jesus Christ, she ran really well at the end. And and it's not how you start, it's how you finish this life. But your feelings, your compassion and your affection for her got her back on track with Jesus Christ. I thank God for Charles and Miss Lynn who went and just really shared the gospel with her to make sure that she was born again and that she was saved. And this kind of love and attention is so very special in in the house of God. It's one thing that we gather like a a country club or a community center, but that's not the church. It's to gather together with compassion for one another and feelings for one another. And that's what Peter says here. Be of one mind, have compassion, one of another, love as brothers, be pitiful, be courteous. And that word pitiful means be sympathetic, be tenderhearted, not rendering evil for evil are railing for railing. Please pay attention to this. Not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrary wise, a blessing. And so when people are speaking evil of you, or people are gossiping about you, railing against you, what is your response? It's to bless them. How supernatural is that? How supernatural is that? We like a lot of times to talk about, you know, well, you got to take up your cross and follow Jesus Christ. But I, I would suggest to you that one of the most supernatural displays of a person that's carrying their cross is to bless somebody when they're being cursed by them. That is absolutely remarkable. That is so Christ like, knowing that you are thereunto called that you should inherit a blessing. Now listen to this, for he that will love life, how many of you want to love life? Well three of you do, I guess the rest of you, just forget it, you know, he that will love life and see good days, you want to see good days, how many of you like bad days? Good days, well here it is, I mean it's so good, refrain your tongue from evil, stop, (laughs) (laughs) That was classic. (laughs) Refrain your tongue from evil and your lips that they speak no guile. Just be honest, be truthful. You can speak words of grace. You don't have to say what you're about to say. You don't have to do it. And sometimes we even know what I'm about to say is not going to end well. We don't have to do it, but we do it right and how many of us know that when we do let those things out, it's not a good day, right? And but but it can become a very very good day. And I was talking even to Paul Crittenden to, to today, and he was sharing about a. A time when there was a hurricane that came and there was a tree that fell across his yard. And anyway, there could have easily been some confrontation that happened. And he was even being provoked to be confrontational. But instead, he held back his tongue and he didn't do it. Then a couple of people started showing up in his his street seeing if everybody was okay. And he started talking to these people. And then he started talking to them about Jesus and sharing the gospel with them. And they're in our church now. And he said, If I would have gotten into that conflict, I probably would have had to go back in my house and spend the rest of the day repenting. But because I didn't let those bad things come out and I I was able to bring blessing, then I could share the gospel with somebody. And now families are in First New Testament church because of that. And I just thought, Yeah, praise God. That is so awesome that we could do it. Love life, see good days. Refrain from speaking evil and your lips that they speak no guile. Hate evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. Seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. And who is he that will harm you if you be followers of that which is good? And so I just want you to, I want you to see this because God is completely aware of what is going on in your life. Some of the guys that I've mentioned tonight, some of the people, Paul Merchant and the things that he went through, and and Paul Crittenden, and the situation that he was in, and some of the things, the, the family that was broken into, and they had that situation happen to them. God is aware of every single thing. God is watching what's going on. He's watched how you were treated today at work or by your family. He watched what was done to you. He saw it. He saw the injustice. He saw the evil. He saw the slander. He saw all of that. He watched you with the opportunities to respond however you could have. But you chose to refrain from speaking evil. Instead you brought a blessing. And the the Bible says this. That God is watching that. His eyes are watching. They're upon the righteous. He says that. And when he sees you. Through the grace of God responding and behaving in the way that is Christ-like. Then Peter says his ear is bent down to hear your prayer. Isn't that wonderful? That's why you have good days. And that's why you can love life. Because God is watching you and God is listening to you. And God is answering your prayers. But if you take matters into your own hands and you are being belittled and you belittle back. Or somebody speaks evil of you and you speak evil back. Well, you have taken vengeance into your own hands. And so the consequences of that are going to be yours. Rather, put it into the hands of God and say, Lord, I'm going to bless them. And I'm going to let you sort it out with them with the way that they're behaving. But I'm just going to bless them because I want you to see me. And I want you to hear me, God, and what is going on in my life. And he says this, who is he that will harm you if you be followers of them, which is good. But if you suffer for righteousness sake, happy are you. And be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. And I just want that to be us. I want us to be happy. I want to, if, if we suffer, I want us to suffer for righteousness. If we suffer, I want us to be able to suffer because we didn't respond the way the world would have responded. We didn't respond the way we would have responded if we were lost. We, we didn't allow that to overcome. now we're all guilty of it. You know, but we, we didn't respond that way. And so we want to be happy. We want to suffer for the right reasons and we don't have to be afraid of people. And then he says this in verse 15, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience. That whereas they speak evil of you, it's, it's kind of back now to the evil and the railing. And they speak evil of you as evildoers. They may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good lifestyle in Christ. For it is better if the will of God be so that you suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. For Christ also is suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. Being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. And I want to say that's the motive. What's the motive of holding your tongue? What's the motive of refraining from evil? Is because I want to bring somebody to God. That's what I want to do. I, I, I cannot bring redemption to anyone. I cannot atone for anybody's sin. But I can respond to situations in my life. That is going to cause people who are watching it and aware of it. It will give me an opportunity to bring them to God. Not like Jesus brought us to God. But I can suffer in such a way. That perhaps my suffering will be looked upon with favor. So somebody will come up into my life and say. Look I watched this happen to you. You got to talk to me. Tell me about this hope that you have in your heart. You sanctify God in your heart so that the people that are watching you being spoken of, being evil treated, being railed against, and your Christ-like behavior response to them, that somebody's going to come up to you and say, you got to talk to me about this God that you know, because I don't see people living that way in the world. I don't even see Christians behaving like that. So what is going on with you? And let me answer the question. When was the last time somebody came up to you and just said, Talk to me about the hope that you have. Talk to me about what's going on in your heart. Talk to me about what's going on in your life. Because I've heard a lot of preachers, but I haven't seen a lot of Christ. But I'm seeing something in you that I'm not seeing in a lot of people. And I need you to talk to me. When was the last time that happened? And, 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 And it's good for us to go and want to share the gospel and look for opportunities to preach. But when just because of our lifestyle. That people are approaching us and saying, I've got to know the Christ who lives in you. I've never seen anything like that. And I really need you to talk to me. Then he goes on and I won't be much longer, but I want to read this with you. In chapter four, verse one, for as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. And, and, and this is what that means. It means that when you can suffer in the flesh, and I'll be honest with you, I've, I've experienced a lot of things in my life. I've experienced a lot of persecution in my life. I'm not by any means saying to the degree that people in persecuted nations have. But I've never experienced anything more, more painful than betrayal, evil speaking, and words, and gossip and slander that are intended to assassinate and destroy a person. I, I've never experienced anything in my life more painful than from people who are the closest to you, speaking the most horrific and horrible things about you. That, that is very difficult to bear. And when you suffer in that way, and you can bring a blessing... Then that simply brings you to this place that I'm not living for my pleasure anymore. Now I'm really trying to live a life that demonstrates Jesus. Whether my life is good or whether my life is bad. I'm not trying to get something out of it for me. But I want to live in such a way it can bring people to Christ. And and that's basically what Peter is saying in chapter 4 verse 1. And then he says this. In verse 2, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men. That means to the will of men. Because you see, there's an intent when the devil uses someone to gossip about you. When the devil uses someone to slander you. When the devil uses someone to persecute you. There's an intent. And the intent of that, the lust of that person in doing what they're doing is to provoke a fight with you. It is to provoke an unchrist like response. So the devil can then point you out in your workplace. See, there's the Christian. They're just like everybody else. But when you get to verse 2, you don't live like that anymore. You don't live by the lust of men. Men are not going to dictate how I act or how I behave. People that are mean to me are not going to dictate how I'm going to respond. I wrote a book, Satan is counting on you, escaping the lure of carnal warfare. Because Satan sets a trap and he is counting on us to respond in the flesh. But when we respond in the spirit, he is totally disarmed. He doesn't know how to handle that. And so we're free from the lust of the flesh and we're able to do the will of God. For the time past, this is verse 3, for the time past of our life, May suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles. When we walked in lasciviousness, lust, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries. And I want this to stand out to you. Wherein they think it strange that you run not with them to the same excess of riot. Speaking evil of you. And then I want you, if you will, to jump to verse 12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when His glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. Let them hate us for being happy. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are you for the name of Christ for the spirit of glory and of god rest upon you on their part he is evil spoken of but on your part he is glorified but let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evil doer or as a busybody in other men's matters Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. And so, I just kind of wanted to draw this out to you tonight. These these couple of thoughts. That there is a setup from God to put you in a unique situation in your life. Where it seems tragic, but it is the most profound situation that God has allowed to happen. Because it is in this moment where the spirit of glory and of God can literally rest upon you. And apart from that situation, you may never be able to show Christ as beautifully as you're about to show him. I'll give you an example of this, but the first Christian martyr was a man by the name of Stephen, and Stephen, who was a deacon in the church, was given the opportunity to preach to the elders of Israel who Jesus Christ was, and as Stephen was preaching, he was infuriating the elders of Israel as he talked about Jesus being the Son of God. And gave his life for us. And he was the prophesied Messiah. And the the Jewish leaders literally began to gnash their teeth in such hatred of this man and of Jesus. And the Bible says that they laid into Stephen in so many ways. And they stoned him. But just before Stephen would die, Stephen said the heavens opened up and he saw the Lord standing to receive him. And the people testified that his face changed and he looked like an angel. The the glory of God came on that man to such a degree that he was transfigured in the moment of his greatest affliction. As he was giving his life unflinchingly for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they spoke evil of Stephen, but Jesus did not. For Stephen glorified Jesus in that moment. And beloved, I want you to understand that people are going to tear into you because you're a Christian. But let it be because you're a Christian. I've dealt with situations in my life. Many years ago, I went through a situation. And with some people very close to me, I begged them. Make this about me. Don't make it about grace. Make it about me. Don't. Touch the Holy Spirit of grace. According to Hebrews chapter 10. I was so fearful for that. Make it about me. But they chose not to do that. And they made it about God's grace. And I felt in that moment. A, a sense of something I've never. I could never even begin to express. This unique feeling. So many, so many things were in contradiction inside of me. From pain and joy and agony and rejoicing. But it was, as, oh, it was as though I could touch, I could just touch for just a moment what it meant to suffer as a Christian. What it meant to suffer for the gospel's sake, for Jesus Christ's sake. And, and it was the most incredible experience, most incredible feeling that I'd ever felt in my life. That, that I would never once even begin to defend myself but I would just lay myself down to be whatever, whatever God wanted to bring against my life. I would let it be brought against my life. And then I would just trust in the Lord and I would let the Lord deliver me. And I would let the Lord raise me up if he so chose to want to raise me up. And it was just this, this joy and this happiness. It was, it was, it's such a, Incredible paradox because in the world and in my flesh, there was such affliction, but in my spirit, there was such joy. I remember I'd go back to God and in some of these moments when, when these waves of just affliction would hit me and I'd go back to God and I would just sit there before the Lord in my office and I would pray, God, please let me live here. Please let me live here, God. This this place with you. This place of such dependency upon you. This place, God, where I can't take a step without you. I can't do anything without you. I'm so close to you. You're so close to me, God. I just want to live here forever and forever and forever. And of course, you know, God doesn't choose to maybe let us live always in affliction and trials and we need to learn to live with Jesus on the mountaintops just like we do when we're walking through the valleys but oftentimes we're a lot closer to Jesus in the valley than we are on the mountaintop it just takes us a moment to discover that and we wonder where's Jesus you know and he's back down in the valley waiting for us because this is where we're fixing to go again And there's Jesus right there with us. And so all of these things that are going on in our life. And maybe coming persecution that's going to come in our life. We want the harvest, right? We want people to know Jesus, right? Then don't shy away to the persecutions that are going to come to you as a Christian. Don't shy away from that. Understand that if I suffer for Christ's sake. If I suffer as a Christian. Then there's the opportunity for the spirit of God. The spirit of glory to rest upon me. And isn't that what I want? Isn't that, that that I want to bring people to Jesus Christ? The Apostle Paul was standing in that crowd while Stephen died. God and Paul only know what that death did to Paul. The effect that that had upon him as he saw this courageous unknown God just standing up for Jesus and the gospel and his face transfigured into glory. And he says that he sees heaven and God and Jesus standing there to receive. Oh, God only knows as well as Paul what that did to him. And sometimes when we think that it's just we're going through this and why is God picking on me? No, he's not. God has created a situation where he's going to allow his glory to be seen as it rests upon you. And you know what it's going to do? You know what the intent of this is? That people are going to come up to you and they're going to say, I need to know the hope that's in you. I need to know that because I'm, I'm going through some things in my own life. And I've got a lot of bitterness in me. And I've got a lot of unforgiveness in me. And it's eating me up. I'm short-tempered. I'm biting the heads off of everybody around me. I'm short-tempered with my children. I'm short-tempered with my spouse. I'm, I'm this and I'm that and I'm this and I'm that. And I'm watching you who's going through some very real things. And you've got this peace about you. You've got this joy about you. You're happy. You're glad. I don't get it and I don't have it. But please tell me about this heart that you've got. I've got to have a heart like that. And then Peter even says, let let it go further than that. And let it come to the place where your life with Jesus Christ is so radically different that you don't run with them anymore. You used to go out with them. You used to party with them. You used to drink with them. You used to get drunk with them. You used to have a great time with them. And and now you don't run with them. In 1 Peter 4, you don't run with them like you used to run with them. And it's to the degree that they think it's strange that you don't do these things anymore. It's strange. Well, nobody thinks it's strange when people get religion. That's not strange. We understand that. The whole world understands that. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah, Joe, Joe used to run with us, but now he got religion and he don't go drink with us anymore. And he doesn't do this anymore. He doesn't do, oh, yeah, Joe, Joe got religion. And it's not that because that's not strange. It's supposed to be strange because you're not running with them to the same excess of that, of that lifestyle because you found something else. Listen to me. Christianity is fundamentally... That it's, it's, it's not, I can't do those things anymore. That's not Christianity. Christianity is not defined by what you can't do. But that's how Christians have defined it for decades. Christians can't drink. Christians can't smoke. Christians can't go to movies. Christians can't do this. Christians can't do, Christians can do anything. Paul said, everything's lawful, but not everything's expedient to me. The strange thing is, is you can do it, but you don't do it, and I think this is strange. And you got to tell me what did you find that's better than what we used to have? Because it's not that I can't do it anymore; I don't want to do it anymore. And yet, sometimes that's been our testimony. When when maybe we've made a decision to follow Jesus, and our friends are asking us to go out or something like that, and we say, "Well, I can't. I'm a Christian." I can't because of this. I can't because of that. I can't because, you know, whatever. It says, no, no, thank you. Um, I'm having an incredible time with the life that I have now. This is, this is the most exciting life that I've ever known. I am so happy. I am so glad about it. I am so fulfilled. I've got no time to go run around and do these worthless things that we used to do that made us miserable. Spent all of our money. I'm sorry. That is just trash to what I'm doing now. What are you doing? What are you doing now? I'm interested. Tell me about it. Because it's not defined by what you can't do now. It's what you get to do now. And that's what Christianity is. It's not what it took me out of. It's what it brought me into. It brought me into the kingdom of God. Which is so satisfying. And so fulfilling. (laughs) Hallelujah. So I, I just... I'll sum it up this way. And you can stand with me. 806. Y'all sit down. I got more to preach no, I'm, te- I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Stand up. I went long Sunday morning. 806 tonight. Come on. Come on. So. I, I, I want to ask us if we can do this tonight. And I, I understand that some of you are in a situation like that. You have an opportunity. You have an opportunity to show Jesus in a way you've never showed him before, or a way people have never seen him before, just by the uniqueness of the situation that you're in. And I want you to really come before God tonight, and I want you to ask God for the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit to have a Christ-like heart. Because that's what Peter said. He says, sanctify the Lord in your heart. And I want to ask you to do that tonight. Because what God is asking you to do is supernatural. It's beyond your ability, beyond your capability to do it. But it's in the Holy Spirit. And, and I want to believe tonight, and I, I look, with all of my heart, I want you to taste this. I, I want you to taste the real gladness, the real joy, the real happiness that comes when you suffer as a Christian. Th- there is a joy in that. And it's addictive. And I, I want you to taste that. Now, I, I want you to just really come and ask the Lord, please let me know that joy. And here it is, guys. Would you ask the Lord, please let me live in such a way that people will come to me and ask me about my hope that I have in Jesus Christ and please let me live in such a way that people will think it's strange that I don't live the way that I used to live not because I got religion but because something else so infinitely better is exposed in my life and the third thing is this God please let your glory and your spirit rest upon me so people can see it Let people see your glory on my life. As summer coming, I just ask you to begin to pray. You can draw near with us in this altar and just begin to pray. If you're in a season of trials, think it not strange. Get people to pray with you. Let's intercede for one another. Let's seek the Lord right now. Just pray for an outpouring of...